Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. Hey friends, welcome to Millennial Money, the podcast where I, Shauna Compton Game, get to chat with some super inspiring people who are going to inspire us all to get up, take back our bank accounts, and chase after the life we want to live. And I am so excited for you to meet our guest today, Dan Conway. His story is going to knock you off your seat. He left a soul-crushing corporate job and made, get this, $14 million investing in the cryptocurrency Ether. I'm a former drug addict. I'm a recovering drug addict. And I've never felt a more powerful drug than when crypto and my Ether started to pop. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. 
It will expand your brain. We cover a lot of money stories on this podcast, but Dan's is one that really got my attention. The moment I got a copy of his book, Confessions of a Crypto Millionaire, I just had to stop and sit down and read it because his story is like so many of ours. He's this married father of three who was working a corporate job and he was completely not happy. And one interesting thing you'll learn in this episode is Dan has a bit of an addictive personality, which I think a lot of us do, but it really served him well because when he got interested in cryptocurrency, he just couldn't stop learning. It was like a day and night obsession. So he and his wife decided to borrow $200,000 against their home, good or not good, and bet it all on Ethereum, the second most valued blockchain after Bitcoin. And look, you don't need to know anything about cryptocurrency to enjoy this episode in Dan's story. But what I love about Dan is, again, he's just like you and me. And as he says, I'm just a guy who had a belief, acted on it, and managed to get it exactly right. Dan, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Shauna. It's great to be here. Well, your story is, let's just say one that I think like great movies are made out of. <laughs> it, <laughs> it really in, intrigues me. I loved reading your book and we have so much to cover, but I, I think your story really intrigues me because I think we can all find a little bit of us in your story. And in the prologue to your book, you wrote that you invested because you wanted the underdogs to win for once. And then you go on to say that 85% of people really hate their jobs. I, I would love to just chat about like, where did we go wrong building this society that hates their jobs? And we always feel like we're underdogs. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I agree, even though I wasn't an outlier in the story in terms of my ups and also my downs, I, I figured that most people just from being a human being and having friends and family could relate to at least some of it, maybe a lot of it. And, you know, it, it, it's a very good question. Um, I, I, I talk about the book Sapiens in, in, in oh, my yeah. story. Yeah, by um, – Yuval Harari, I think I'm probably butchering his name, but one of the things that he talks about is um, how he, he, human beings, one of our superpowers is to work in cooperation with others. And that's sort of the end stage of that is what we're experiencing now with corporate America. It's highly coordinated. We're creating great economic value all over the globe. I mean, look at the things uh, humanity has created. I mean, not all good, of course, but but um, but you know, it, it, like I, 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 what I'd say in the book is, it's modern work and modern work in some ways is a deep sliver in our heel. And yes, um, you know, people in corporate America uh, have good lives and can pay the bills, but it's it's so unfulfilling for so many people. And we know that anecdotally, at least I did. And then we also know it because of the studies that I cite. And and one thing I do mention though. I say in the book and I feel strongly about is like, this is a first world problem (laughs) there. I I wouldn't call this the biggest problem facing humanity by a long shot. Uh, I'm I'm not a refugee. Most of your listeners, I'm sure all are not like people in deep, deep, deep trouble, like at a a refugee level or living in the kind of poverty where they can't afford to put a a, a roof over their head or food to eat. But, but that said though, it, it is, it is, it is kind of, it's crazy to me that, you know, we have one life to live 
Um, you know, we get what 80 rough odd years, knock on wood. Um, and, <laughs> and, and if you're in corporate America, like I was, you know, um, I was miserable. I, the bureaucracy, the chains of command, the, you know, the, the meetings and the politics and everything. And, you know, we just take it for granted that that's part of the human condition. And I don't know, maybe it is. But when I learned about blockchain and cryptocurrency, not the crypto to buy coffee, but crypto to fund a new kind of decentralized type of organization, that was part of the reason why I got so excited because I feel like it was kind of an antidote to some of the malaise and sort of quiet desperation that uh, Thoreau mentions that I had experienced for most of my working life. Yeah, yeah. And uh, tell me a little bit about your money story like prior to discovering cryptocurrency. Did you grow up? knowing about money or or was this, you know, like most of us trial and error process? Yeah, it's a good question. I So basically my father was a high school principal. My mom worked at Sears part-time. Um, so we had enough money. We were solidly middle-class and um, I had a lot of friends in the 80s whose parents were <clears throat> higher up the economic ladder, um, which didn't cause extreme differences, but like they would drive BMWs and they had golf yeah. memberships. I, I used to clean the clubs at the at the club to play golf and they would get it for free. So, you know, I wore Sears clothes. They wore Nikes. I mean, you know, this is like the stuff that, you know, is just part of growing up and it's funny looking back. But, um, <laughs> but I, you know, so we never, we never had like a lot of money, but we always had enough. <clears throat> I, um, once I started my career, I really, thankfully, I don't remember, I don't remember why or how, but I, I really got into fine, uh, reading about finance, personal finance and investing. And I mean, really, the, the way that translated was that I contributed to my 401ks at an early age. And I really got the whole concept of compound interest in the seventh wonder of the world or whatever. Um, right. I completely believe that. And then the, the earlier part of my career, when I was in a corporate uh, environment and I did get a taste of what it was all like, even though I had some success, uh, I... I started to think for whatever reason back then, this would be like right around the dot-com boom about how I might get out. And um, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've ever covered um, your money or your life. I know you've covered fire topics, financial independence, sure. retire early. But I got really into a book, Your Money your money or Your Life, and also this book, The Tightwad Gazette, which is like the Bible for saving money. And I, I took sort of an extreme step in my mid to late twenties, I moved back home with my parents. I quit my job. I sold my car and I was going to try to uh, do financial independence just by saving as much as I could and, um, living kind of like a hermit life. Um, I, you know, when I right. think now about, <laughs> I was going to move to Eureka. I was going to like, you know, yeah. I did a year of volunteer service out of college. So I knew how to like sh- shop really cheap and even go to some food kitchens. Um, at the time that seemed like a good idea. <laughs> uh, and, and so anyway, that was that. And then, then when I had, then when I got married and had kids, um, all that kind of went out the window and it was just about trying to, uh, make my way, provide for my family. My wife, um, also has uh, like had a big career where we, you know, she, 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 we were, both of us were breadwinners. One wasn't the primary. Yeah. That, and that kind of leads me into, you know, then the middle of my career. Right. Yeah. Wow. So w- at what point then did you get turned on to cryptocurrency? Did you think like, quote unquote, this is going to be the thing that, that fixes my life? Yes. Yes. So, so basically I had all these ups and downs at the company, uh, a company that I refer to as Acme. Um, I, for legal reasons, I, I, I you know, I, I very carefully described that in the acknowledgements, but basically I had a lot of ups and downs there and, uh, mostly by fault of my own. 
I realized at that point I had an addiction problem. Um, I, you know, I, the book goes into a lot of my demons. Right. And once yeah. I, once I was able to get through that, I, you know, my brain, the way my brain works is I'm, I'm looking, I'm, you know, for good or bad, I'm looking for a way to make me feel different a lot. And (laughs) (laughs) so blog, I became obsessed with blogging because I've always liked to write. I really got into that, but ultimately I had a hard time figuring about how, out how it was going to make, make me any money. So it was simply in early 2015 I came across an article on Bitcoin, and whereas previously I had heard I had heard about it, and I thought, "Oh, this is BS," you know, I this yeah, sounds yeah, like yeah. crazy. Plus, I don't didn't want to feel like learning about it. I had the necessary, <laughs> you know, it's like very complicated, as as we all know. Um, and I was not some like cutting edge tech guy, you know. I mean, I'm like a reasonably intelligent person, but I don't have any special skills in deciphering this kind of stuff. But I had the necessary incentive and. One thought just came across my mind because Bitcoin at the time was at 300 and it was simply, what if it goes up again? Now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now, now, so it was like pure sort of like greed, like the idea of like, how can I make a lot of money? How can I get out of this miserable corporate life? Right, um, right. And, yeah. And then soon after that, it became much more complicated. Uh, if it was just that, I don't know if I would have been able to invest, if I would have gotten myself to a point to invest, considering all the struggles I'd put my family through. But it was more than that. It was this whole idea behind crypto. It was this idea of decentralization, which always gets lost in the um, in the discussion of price. And it, it's just like crypto, when you get into it, is like this heady mix, mix of like greed and speculation and investing and all the good and bad words you associate with money with this like, odd idealism, this odd, like sort of utopia vision, this whole idea, which the foundation of which all of it is this idea of decentralization, that maybe we could do things without this like cult of leadership, cult of, you know, top down kind of thing. So that's, that's, that's how I got, that's how I first got into it and where I, where it kind of started to lead me. That's interesting because like what you're saying, it was more than just, Hey, this thing might be able to make me money. It was really rooting yourself in the the concept behind it, which you you could apply that to anything in life. When you do that, then you get more excited. You're willing to learn more. Like it, it just becomes more fascinating to you. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it was, and that's what, when people talk about, um, Crypto people that are into crypto, we all talk about going down the rabbit hole, and <laughs> and I always assumed that was just like oh, I'm going to make a bunch of money, but it's a whole new kind of way of looking at things, uh, which may or may not come to fruition. I mean, I'm uh, I think I'm rational enough to say that some of the stuff that crypto is trying to do might be impossible. I, I happen to be someone who believes that uh, that eventually uh, development and human activity will create crypto systems that are much more wide widespread and usable and solves problems for people today. But it is the rabbit hole really is that whole idea, but it's also married to the greed. That's why it's this strange beast and why mm, yeah. I say in the book like go, finding crypto is not like sending a uh, sending an update to your LinkedIn profile it's almost like a full religious conversion it's like yeah especially for people like me that go all in yeah exactly you talk about in this in the book this duality that you were driven by that uh you know about taking on risk which I think is is really interesting because Everything in life is a risk reward conversation. How much do you want to risk for that particular award? How did you weigh out risk versus reward or 
Was Risk not even maybe like a central character in your story? It was amazing because we always just we in, a, in 2008 we lost our home equity line, which was our um, our our security blanket. My wife lost yeah, most great. of her clients and her. PR business. And then soon after I started at, uh, at Acme and I was, you know, struggling. And so we, we really struggled along there for many years while the, my three kids were young and, you know, just like that, getting a new fender, um, you know, getting a speeding ticket, you know, all those things that just pop up in anyone's lives that eat away. But, um, right around, uh, 2014, we had this, this, this windfall. And it was like, finally, some of my stock options vested. My wife was working for a a company that got acquired by uh, Microsoft and she got about, I think, $25,000. And then my mom, who's in her 80s, sold her house and gifted me and my brothers and sisters um, like $50,000 each. So it was like, whoa, suddenly we had this (laughs) nest egg. It was like almost $100,000. And we, we had always given to our 401k, so we had that, but you can't really touch that unless you're crazy or something, exactly. which I ended up being. But, uh, but, but I, but basically that hundred thousand dollars is what gave me, it felt like new money, even though I knew like this is the kind of chance you need to leverage fully and you, you don't blow it because this will probably never happen again. But I had that, <clears throat> um, which we needed because we were still in the hole. You know, to be honest, by the time I invested, I mean, I was literally spending like 10 hours a day on crypto content, talking to people, meetups, the yeah. Reddits, Twitter, Facebook. Now, I'm not saying like there was no risk because I had figured it all out and there was, you know, I knew it was a sure thing. Absolutely not. But in my brain, I did think it was a sure thing. I was like a- absolutely positive that this was the right time to get into it. When I when I made the initial plunge um, yes, there was, it was mo- not really a rational thought about risk. It was more like a bit of foreboding in the back of my brain, which also had to do with, you know, relations with my wife and the fact that I didn't really share everything with her, um, to say the least, up front. <laughs> I was going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. 
Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. 
I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. So I am blown away by this interview, but we'll get back to the rest of it after this Ask Shauna question. This one came from Barry and Stephanie. Hey, Shauna, we've been listening for over a year and love all the episodes. Thanks for the constant variety and honesty for making learning about money fun. When I share your podcast with friends, they're like, really? You want me to listen to a money podcast? I'm just like, yeah, it will change your life. So we're getting married this year, and I know you've done a lot of podcasts about couples and relationships, and we've loved them all. I'm curious, if you could give us one piece of advice post-wedding, what would it be? Thanks again, and I'm so excited to hear all the new episodes in 2019. Oh man, that's a great question, and I totally get your friends' responses to the podcast. <laughs> I thought about that when I started a podcast. I thought, who in the world is going to want to listen to me babble on about money? But now we're 450 plus episodes in, and I guess somebody is interested in listening to me babble on about money, so I get it. One piece of advice is always hard for me to will down. I get asked that question a lot. If you could give me one piece of advice, and I say that to all my interview subjects as well, so I'm kind of throwing the ball back at them, but it's really hard to come up with one thing because there's so much that I've learned in relationships and marriages and getting divorced. Uh, I mean, we could just do a whole year of podcast just on that content, but I would have to say spend time talking and writing out a joint vision for your life. Think of it like your family or relationship mission statement, if you will. And a mission statement is just something that most companies or all companies come up with. It's kind of their their credo or what they're going to be about. So what do you want to do with your life? What impact do you want to make? Where do you want to live? How much money is enough? And that's a really good question because I don't think people spend enough time thinking about that one. You want to make more money, but how much money is that sweet spot for you? What are your strengths? What are the areas you need to work on, et cetera? Answer all of these questions and then put that together in a mission statement for your relationship. Think of it like your relationship GPS, so we've done this several times, and I can just tell you that it is completely life-changing. It helps us 
focus on us and not get caught up in what other people or family members, hello, <laughs> society, etc. expect of us. And it's it's really easy to get lost as a couple when the shit hits the fan. So it's great to come back to this as just a reminder of why you're together and what you're trying to achieve in life. So if I had to whittle it down to one thing, although there are so many things I really want to tell you, that would be the one thing, the one piece of advice is just to figure out jointly, what are you jointly about? And I think that is so powerful and it's going to take you further than you can even imagine. You know, especially I think when someone gets so passionate about something, it's easy to forget like, oh, there are other people involved here in my life <laughs> or, the, you know, <laughs> yeah. or maybe I should consult with them on something. It's kind of like, okay, I'm really into this thing and this is where our money's going. Yep. Yep. And, and, and my wife had always seen me be obsessed with different things. And most recently, as I mentioned, it was blogging and I would like spend time on our vacations, like trying to pound out another story to get likes and recommends. And I was really obsessed. It actually played in my favor in this case, though, because once I got into crypto, she sort of avoided asking me about it because, you know, I, I the conversation could be like very long. And if I sniffed <laughs> that she had an interest in it, we might be talking all about, you know, Ethereum and Bitcoin. So it, it led me to a sense where since in my family – in my family, we always talked about money. Um, like it wasn't a taboo subject. We would talk about mm, like, wow. but yeah. I, I, like I knew like how much my dad made, my brothers and sisters. If someone got a new job, they'd be like, oh my gosh, they're offering me 50 grand, you know? And, wow, and that's least, rare. Yeah, it is actually. I realized that now Eileen's family is more typical. They don't really talk about money. They don't know how much money each other has. And there's actually something nice about that. But um, But because she doesn't like to talk about money and because – <clears throat> she didn't express any interest in my growing fascination with cryptocurrency. I sort of tried to tri trick myself into thinking, well, I'm the guy in, in charge of our investments. So maybe this is just in my purview. So let, let's like rewind just a little bit, because I think there's still this shred of, or this cloud, I should say, of, of you know, mystification around cryptocurrency. Can you give us I may be asking a rabbit hole question here, but can you give us like even the cliff notes? Like what, what is crypto? What is Bitcoin? What is Ethereum? Yeah, 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 sure. I, I definitely will. So yeah, the, the least interesting thing that someone can do with crypto is like buy a, buy a, a, co a cup of coffee with digital currency. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of interesting, but it's not like the mind blowing thing that's got so many people's imagination going. Um, what, mm. what crypto really is, is it's, and I, and I will be very careful here just to give a few sentences because I don't want to bore your viewers, your, your <laughs> listeners, but cri crypto is, um, cryptocurrency is the fuel that pays for blockchains to function. And blockchains are unconnected, unaffiliated computers running the same computer program um, that are validating transactions, business arrangements, and currency transactions uh, through through a, an algorithm that makes it basically impossible for anyone to game the system, to take control, to uh, do fraud, anything like that. So blockchains, that's why the big deal in blockchain is they're called trustless. And what that means is you don't need to trust anyone. You don't need to trust um, Capital One to keep your data. You don't need to keep, trust Google to make sure your personal information is, is safe. The blockchain is this really ironclad, um, unaccessible kind of computer system. And crypto, uh, crypto 
cryptocurrencies um, are the fuel that pays for these computers to run the system. And so when a blockchain yeah, system, yeah. like say Ethereum, there's um, right now on Ethereum, you know, we have the app store, right? The Apple Apple app store. And what Ethereum is working on is a, a the DAP store. They don't call it a store, but it's decentralized applications. And whereas now the Ubers, the Airbnbs, the Lyfts, the, you know, all, all these different, you know, those are just, you know, share, like sharing applications, but lots and lots of different centralized computer programs like Facebook, even um, they, they're applications that are run out of server farms and the, the, the rules are set by the people that own the server farms. The money is collected uh, in the form of advertising the people that own the server farms. If and when blockchains mature, especially on the Ethereum blockchain, which is number one in development for these kinds of things, there will be a decentralized alternative where you have a little bit of crypto that's automatically in your browser that helps pay for you to access these things. No, mm. you get paid for your advertising. So that's even farther yeah. than I wanted to go. But that's Ethereum. It's really rebuilding the World Wide Web in a decentralized fashion. It's rebuilding finance in a decentralized fashion. There's MakerDAO is a, a decentralized finance platform where people without any central control can go in, lend their Ether or other currency and get interest in return. Still brand new, bugs. It's a little bit buggy. It's a little bit hard to use. Actually, it's not very buggy, but it's kind of still a little hard to use. Yeah, but there's, yeah. there's enough there where you can see where it's going. Is this the future? Do you think this is the way we're moving or is this still going to be a, an alternate currency type? Well, I think um, it, I don't think crypto is ever going to disrupt fiat like US dollars or, or the euro. And again, I think that's less interesting. I think what it could do, though, is disrupt centralized institutions like corporations through things called distributed autonomous organizations or DAOs, which you'll be hearing mm. more about in the future. There's some things that just can't be decentralized, but there's a lot of things that can. And the benefits, once it's actually usable by a normal person like me and not like a tech genius, uh, the benefits are great in terms of security, privacy, um, freedom to operate, you know, do financial tra transactions without a lot of central control and things like that. I, I think it's coming and there's, there's, there's thousands of developers that are working on it, despite the fact that uh, it's crypto winner and everyone's sort of forgotten about crypto after the crazy 2017 bull run. The development is happening. It's picked up pace. And it, it reminds me of um, Amazon during dot com. Mm -hmm. you know, Amazon, yeah, yeah. It, Amazon spiked then. Then it crashed down to like $2. Uh, but it was still working, building and everything. And now you see where Amazon's at now. So yeah. I, am a, I am a true believer, but I think it's coming. Yeah, look at it now. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and, and everything about this is so super fascinating to me. I I got to chapter 26 in your book, which you titled Now, uh, and it talks about all of those kind of scary changes that started happening in the market for cryptocurrency. And I love it. You say it was like a 9.0 earthquake with an infinite number of 9.0 shocks, <laughs> yeah. which I live in Los Angeles, so I understand that. Uh, <laughs> that metaphor there uh, and that you you had this moment where you thought like oh my gosh if this all crashes like i'm going to have to go tell my kids and my wife as you say dear old dad fucked up um and you know i can imagine that that moment of fear and of course it it didn't go that way but i'd love for you to share a little bit of that story like what was happening when things were crashing down and and how were you feeling through those moments 
Yeah, it was, I, you know, I, I, even though it was obviously like amazing and it, and it, and thankfully for me, it ended well, I wouldn't want to relive it again. It was, I'm a former drug addict. I'm a recovering drug addict and I, I've never felt a more powerful drug than when crypto and my ether started to pop and wow. I bought it at 12 and mm. it would, <clears throat> it would go up some days once, once 2017 really started, I mean, I would, I would go to a movie and when I came out of the movie, I'd be up like $600,000. Oh my God. It, I mean, and, and even more than that. I mean, there were days where there were like multi-million dollar swings oh. and oh. I couldn't get over. I mean, the euphoria was intense and amazing. I mean, it's like you're manic depressive, right? The manics love the manic part. Um, yeah. And it, and it was, I, I felt I hit my stride and I was telling everyone about it. And I didn't even care if they were going to invest, but I had so much wind in my sails that I was like the perfect communicator. And like, like, like 12 people in my orbit, including like the retired insurance salesman in the neighborhood and my, my, my tax guy who told me that I should get out of it. But by the end of the meeting, he decided to invest 10,000 in it. And then the <laughs> next day he called me and said he put 20,000 in. So then when, when it crashed though, even if I was way up on paper, you know, it, it was like the depths of hell. It, it was because it, when crypto crashes, you never know when it's going to stop crashing, especially then it's gotten less volatile and it will continue to be, but a little bits of money could, could, could people selling could cause a panic. And it was just like, you know, I, 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 I had to kind of like try to go to sleep early or just try to some way to get my mind off it at, at the very end. That's when even I realized in my, you know, like uh, this dream state I had sort of halfway been living in for about nine months that it, it was – I would be crazy if I didn't take more off the table. And I had a financial advisor firm and he sent me a note and he just said, today the photographer that was going to take our pictures didn't show up. He quit to trade Bitcoin full time because <laughs> I have two 80-year-old investors who have both asked me if this is the right time to buy crypto. And he basically said, in all my years of experience, 20 years of experience, I've, I've never seen this, this happen with an emerging asset. And I cannot imagine that it would be a good thing. And, you know, he was, he was a very, he's oh, a friend man. of mine too. He was a very good straight man. And it really forced me to, to get to that scene where I'm kind of just really trying to rip apart the, the part that I was addicted to it from the tart where you know, I've got a family and kids. Yeah. Yeah. So what's that? I mean, how do you make that evolution now? How do you, you know, stick with something that obviously is, you know, made you a, t a ton of money, but also balance that out? You know, that's a really good question. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, so, so basically the crazy thing is for the past two years, I've been writing the book with all my obsessiveness and focus and multiple painful edits, all that, all that kind of stuff. And, um, so I really now, uh, I've got, I've got to take a step back and, you know, I've got to, some of the things I start to grapple with at the very end is, you know, why do I have these chips on my shoulder? Why do I always need to be proving myself beyond the great, you know, the financial piece and all the rational stuff about decentralization? Clearly, I was trying to prove something to everyone, including myself. And I, I talk about that in the book, even when it's kind of embarrassing. So I, I can't go on. I can't, I can't go on like this. I get, 
another first world problem, you know, because, but so I, I've, I've got a number of forays, meditation. Now we sound like cliche meditation. I do open water swimming. <laughs> hey, that I'm, stuff is awesome. Yeah. Yes, I know. I know, but I, I need to do that. And, you know, um, and I'm, so I, and I try to make it sound like it's not a happily ever after. I take my position any day of the week, obviously, but I'm going to have to work for it because I do have demons and they can come back out. And th- in this case, like they call them my flip side, you know, my flip side helped me get to this point. And, and I, you know, and I, so I've got to kind of be proud of him in a way, but I've got to look beyond that and try to live in the moment more. Yeah. Wow. So much good stuff. Dan, if, if you could sit with someone for a few, few minutes and maybe they could pick your brain, what would you want them to take away? Maybe like, you know, two or three takeaways from, from your journey of, of going from, hating work to, you know, this amazing discovery into the millionaire status? Like, what do you think are the couple of things that are most important that people should know? I would say the first one is like, it's never too late to reinvent yourself, you know, in, in any way. And I'm, I'm proof of that. I mean, it, you know, I, I, four years ago, I wasn't even writing, you know, and, but I got sober and somehow I got a seed of inspiration and I just kind of fed it every day. And, you know, I ended up with the crypto stuff, but even more importantly, I wrote this book and I'm, I'm more proud of that than the, than the crypto stuff. Um, I, because, you know, I, I really, it took a lot of perseverance. So, so it's, it's never too late to do that. It really isn't. If you just can start small and, you know, and just keep going, you can get there. Um, the other is that, you know, I think, you know, Hey, we only get one life to live. And I think, I do think yeah. we take corporate life for granted how miserable it is. It's why movies like nine to five and the matrix and uh, office space are so like cult hits because everyone recognizes it. And I, I admire you doing this podcast and putting up your shingle and, and uh, all the work that you do as an independent person. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I do think that corporate America is ripe to be disrupted. And that includes the tech darlings like Facebook and Google and Twitter, maybe even especially, <laughs> maybe even especially, them. <laughs> but I think those would be the two big takeaways. The other would be, um, is about if you consider crypto as an investment, because I know a lot, your, your listeners are, you know, interested in investing, obviously. I would say the one thing I would say about it is it's super high risk, obviously, but there's a lot of high risk. Uh, there's a, high, a lot of high risk assets out there, you know, currency, derivatives, all this kind of stuff. The thing about crypto is that I think the risk is there, but the reward, um, I, I have every confidence that it's going to pop again in the next few years. It, no one knows when, but there's too much happening on the developer end for it not to. So I would recommend, and I'm not a financial advisor, you, you know, all that, but I would recommend for people that have a high risk tolerance to consider putting five or 10% of their, um, their, their money into crypto if they are looking at for a high risk investment that could pop and is also uncorrelated with other investments. But you, just yeah. from this interview, people know my story. So take it with a grain of salt, people. So I know you've already decided you absolutely have to read Dan's book, Confessions of a Crypto Millionaire. It's available on Amazon. I promise you it is a fascinating story to read. Again, even if you aren't into cryptocurrency, or you can head over to Dan's website, danconwayrider.com to connect with Dan. Thanks so much for checking out this episode and a big thanks to our sponsors that make this show possible. Remember to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. But before you leave, I want to empower you to embrace where you are today, the good and the not so good. And remember, nothing lasts forever. Just keep taking small steps every day and remember how awesome you truly are. 
Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC.